And there came a day, a day unlike any other, when Earth's mightiest podcasters found themselves united to have the conversations you always wanted to have about the films you love. With great power comes great responsibility. I just finally know what I have to do. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Avengers! Welcome to the Cult Classic Comics Show. <laughs> welcome, welcome everyone to the Cult Classic Comic Show. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Carmelo Chimera. Hey, I'm Omi Gonzalez. I'm Jason Chawala. And I'm Emily Hunter. And we are the Ghostbusters. Oh, wait. Uh, no, we're not. We're, we're uh, and thank you for joining us today. As you know, season one of Call Classic Horror Comic, excuse me, is all about Batman. And uh, that's by no coincidence because, as you may have heard, there's a new Batman movie out. And so we've decided to go out of order and keep it timely. And today we're going to talk about the new The Batman. Um that's assuming you're listening to this podcast in March of 2022. <laughs> well, it's still the order you're listening. They're still going to listen to it where we skip all the Batman movies and go straight to this one. Right? Yeah. I guess you're right. It's I mean, not we, timely anymore. Yeah, somebody okay. somebody might listen to this podcast like a year from now and be like totally thrown off. <laughs> <laughs> They've been in their pod, the underground bunker. Right. Right. There'll be one of the three people who didn't know this movie came out. And obviously, as you know, we have literally billions of listeners all around the planet. This is the most listened to podcast of all time. And so if you aren't listening to this the week it came out, I don't know what's wrong with you. You're probably one of like six, like small Ugandan children who doesn't have like iTunes on their phone. Like that's got to be the explanation because uh, literally billions of people listen to us. Uh, who wants yeah. to tell me what they think of the Batman? Who wants to go first? Wait, no synopsis? We're just going to go straight in? We need, we need a synopsis. You want the synopsis first? It's a three-hour movie. Yeah. You want me to do the synopsis? You can do it in like I'm going to do this seconds. in broad strokes. I'm going to keep it in broad strokes. But let me say right now at the outset, this is going to be a spoiler cast. Spoiler, spoiler podcast. So if you don't want spoilers, stop. Well, press pause. Go to the movie theater. Watch the Batman. Then you can press play and listen to us on the car ride home. Um, all right. The Batman. I, rec- I recommend you watch the movie while watching this podcast in the theater and just be that obnoxious guy on his phone. Yeah. And don't even bother with headphones. Just like put it on speaker in the theater. Put it on speakerphone so everyone around you can listen to our podcast while watching the movie. Right. So ever enhance the enjoyment for everybody. If You know what? If you do that, I will, I will reimburse you your movie ticket. Listeners out there, up to five people. I'll reimburse you your movie ticket if you do that and send us proof. Uh, yes, to be clear, we will not reimburse your medical expenses after the rest of the theater breaks your legs. Uh, yeah, so uh, the Batman. Um, uh, man, where to begin? So uh, it picks up with uh, the Batman two years into his his mission uh, 
things don't look good in Gotham. Gotham looks like shit and it rains all the time. Um, when a new serial killer pops on the scene, uh, the Riddler, and he starts off by murdering the mayor, but it, it turns into a series of murders of powerful figures around the city. And he leaves clues for Batman that uh, put him on the trail of a, of a vast conspiracy. Um, along the way, he, he works with, you know, Lieutenant Jim Gordon and with the mysterious, uh, the mysterious damsel Catwoman, uh, who has her own agenda here. And in trying to figure out who the Riddler is, they, they stumble upon this big conspiracy that for years, the city's leadership has worked for mobster Carmine Falcone, who, uh, took over the drug trade by selling out his, his rival Sal Maroney. And now ever since then, the city's biggest drug bust in history, they just took over that operation and the mayor and the DA and everybody gets paid. But the Riddler is out for blood and he's, he's basically like Jigsaw kidnapping these people and um, killing them in the most painful and creative ways to expose their crimes to Batman. Um, And in the end, after Batman is able to, to apprehend the Riddler, his end game, uh, comes out. He he plans to bomb the city, flood the city, and when everyone takes refuge at the the uh, the rally for the newly elected mayor, uh, his his followers will just rain bullets onto this place and and just slaughter people by the score. And while Batman is not able to stop the flooding, Batman does stop the Riddler's uh, followers. Uh, from a, a really bloody shooting spree and uh, and ultimately learns the importance of being a hero. Um, he spends a lot of this movie savagely beating people's faces into hamburger meat and then at the end realizes that it takes more than violence. It takes a little bit of hope and uh, r- roll credits. So I think I did a pretty good job summing up a three-hour movie in like three minutes, right? Yeah, that was pretty good, actually. Oh, thank you. I mean, actually, what the fuck does that mean? Actually, that was, that was so good. We might peg you for the task every week. That was my job on the Call Classic Horror Show. I think I think Jason's just saying that because he didn't like doing the synopsis for Batman Forever. Well, oh, you mean kind of dog shit? Yeah. <laughs> for the for those listening, we recorded a podcast for Batman Forever, and then as luck would have it, the podcast like fell apart and didn't save. So we're going to have to go back and record that podcast to talk about a very terrible movie. And, and of course, since we're all so committed, we're also all going to rewatch Batman forever before we record again. <laughs> Everyone's shaking their head. No. Yeah. It's not happening. Um, well, I've been talking enough. Who wants to tell me what they think of this movie? Who wants to start? I guess I'll start. Yeah. Let's have it. what do you think, Emily? I loved it. <laughs> um, I liked my favorite. Still going to be Batman Returns forever. It's going to be that no matter what. But I liked this one because I feel like a lot of times I like comics and comic artwork way more than I do sometimes the substance behind it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like this movie had the atmosphere. It, it was just. The way they they shot scenes, it was so good, like visually for me that I I felt like I was there. I guess um, I loved the Batman suit. I heard people bitching about that, but I loved it. Um, I I liked all the characters and the actors. I think they all did really well. 
Um, I've had some movies like Batman Forever where I didn't agree or didn't believe the actors, whereas this one I felt like I was more invested with some of the characters that I usually am not. Um, the music, oh my God, it was amazing. Um, you know, the, it kind the of- The Imperial had, March. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it had some, uh, rem- it, rem- it was reminiscent of some of the Batman Returns music that I was used to with the strings and some of the orchestra music especially with the Catwoman scenes. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. And ironically enough, I wore my cult classic horror show that is based on Creepshow, but there were certain parts in the music that I was like, am I hearing Creepshow? Like just a little <laughs> bit. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. I think everybody that was cast did a good job. I, I liked the story. Again, I pick up more on the aesthetics and the look of the film versus sometimes the substance, which is either good or bad, how you, you, you want to put it. But I think the story was good. And for a three hour movie, I don't want to hear people bitching about that. <laughs> Anybody on this podcast. <laughs> um, I, I might I was, though. I will sit there and scroll on my phone for hours. I will binge watch TV shows for longer than three hours. So for me, this wasn't a problem, but I, I thought it was really good. Well, Jason, I feel like you looks just by looking at your face. I see some exception to, to Emily. Well, you want, you want to go next? What do you got for me? Um, I actually agree with Emily a lot on a few factors and I'll get to the, I'll get to the running time a little bit later, but, um, this was a Batman movie unlike any other. It was, you know, I'm not going to call it the best Batman movie or my favorite, but um, I will say that it's it's the Batman movie that I've been looking for for a very long time. Would you say it's the um, Batman movie we deserved and not the one we needed? That, that, that's, that's been the title of every article I've read. It's very but, um, clever. It's very, very clever. And, and everyone ripped it off of me, to be clear, just in case anyone's wondering. They did. He's, he's coming for the royalty checks. That's right. But, um... This was a very, like, film noir, Zodiac-esque Batman movie. And I really, that's what I, that's like one of the aspects of it that I enjoyed the most. But what I really liked is the, is that I've noticed that this, this version of Batman Bruce Wayne, and correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't, wasn't he the youngest portrayed of all the Batman movies? In every Batman movie, Bruce Wayne, Batman is like 40, maybe 50, this one, he's like, what, 26, 28? You mean the actor or the character? The character. Yeah, I mean, in the Nolan movies, he goes from being like 33 to being, I think, like 41 at the end. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about Keaton. I don't know how old that guy was supposed to be. You know, when I was a kid, everybody over 20 looked old to me. And so Michael Keaton yeah. fell into that category. Um, but yeah, you're right. You are right that he's portrayed here very young. He's portrayed here very young. Um, this is a very like angsty teenager Batman, and we've never had that before. Um, there, I mean, it's it's by no coincidence that there are scenes of emotion, and then you've got that ner- you know, you've got that Nirvana song playing in the background. You know, it's like nothing defines angsty teenagehood like like a, a grungy Nirvana song. Yeah. So it, it's um, I really enjoyed this portrayal of Batman. Uh, Robert Pattinson does a better job playing Batman than he does as Bruce Wayne, if that makes any sense. Mm. But, um, you know, it's, he makes do with what he's, what's handed to him. I think the Bruce, I think Bruce Wayne character wasn't as well written as the Batman character in this movie. And that's why it's just, there's some scenes that just didn't work out that way. 
Um, as for the running time, um, I would say about two hours and 20 minutes in is where I felt, okay, this movie can end, but I can see people being upset by the ending. And then we got like Act 3.5 added onto it. You're talking where's about the, the whole, di- where's attack, the whole right? dynamic of the bombs around the city. Right. So the big finish. The big yeah. finish, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess the I guess what, what may have been the finish just wasn't big enough. So then they had to add this bigger finish. But it's a bit of a deflating finish because like the Riddler's already in jail, and now there's no actual face to the the final villain, as you will. You know, it's a bunch of faceless criminals that get beat up, and then it's a bunch of bombs going off, and it's just a lot of chaos in the end. So I wasn't too crazy about the ending. Um, runtime could have been a little bit shorter, but it wasn't it wasn't too long where I was in the theater getting, you know, getting ants in my pants. Um, when I did leave the theater, there was like two people passed out asleep in the front row. So they, I don't know how much of the movie they missed, but they were like snoring. People were walking out and like taking pictures of them and laughing at them. Their circulation was cut off from their head being all the way back. Yeah, that could be it. <laughs> Plus the theater I went to, it was like full recline. So like everybody had their chairs like all the way reclined back. Jason, I've heard that the most common neck injury until those recline chairs were introduced is the front seat of the movie theater neck injury. As a medical professional, can you confirm that that's accurate, please? As, as, As both a medical professional and somebody who saw the movie Cable Guy front row back in like 1999, I will tell you both, uh, Neck and emotional injury is is attached is attached to that. That's fantastic. Uh, I I I'm resisting the urge to to just keep chiming in because I want to get around everyone's first thoughts. Omi and I talk literally every day. Like I talk to him more than anyone except my wife or my brother, and we have somehow refrained from talking about this movie. So we can save it. So this is it. The moment we've been, I've got, I've had blue balls all week waiting to hear what Omi thinks about <laughs> fucking the Batman. So Omi, please relieve, relieve me. Tell me. Did what? you guys see it together? Right? No, well, we didn't end up seeing it. Yeah. I, I, I got uh, some premiere tickets like on, on Monday way before it came out. So I was able to see it about four times already. Oh uh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you yeah. hated it then, right? I, I, I couldn't stand it. No, but it's, the cool part was that, like, when I, when, when I, you know, this whole Robert Pattinson shit and the Batman and all the things that have gone like political on that side, where you know who's going to direct it, who's not going to direct it, I had no expectations of this movie at all. Like, I really was like, nah, whatever, another Batman movie. They're going to mess this up for me. Um, but then I go in there and I see that he has, you know, he has the rock steady suit on, right? Like, he has the Batman rock steady suit. He is, they committed to the Batman over the Bruce Wayne, which I was all about, right? Like, I don't need to see billionaire playboy model. Um, I don't see that anymore. We know who that character is. Also, we get a Batman year two where he doesn't see Bruce Wayne as a tool yet. You know what I mean? So he's in his, he's in his feels, he's emo. He doesn't understand what Bruce Wayne can do for him yet. But you kind of get a sense of that at the end when he shows up to the club as Bruce Wayne, realizing he doesn't have to dress up as Batman at that point either, right? Like he could get in to see Falcone that way, right? Like so, it it took from the best story arcs in comics that are so dense, like I mean dense, like the Riddler being a mastermind behind so many story arcs in comic books 
now being presented on the film was brilliant. And the fact that he knows the, the he knows the the answer to the riddle of Batman and can't share it because it messes up the riddle, right? Like it's completely stolen from Hush. Like he did the most brilliant thing in the world. Him blowing up the water that comes from uh, Batman uh, Zero Year from uh, Scott Schneider. It's amazing. Like they did everything. They popped it in there. I could go on for hours about like where they really did it. I mean, you bring up the Elliots and then you put the word hush right after that. Like those little Easter eggs or just people that have been reading the combo for 30 years is right there in front of us. I, I was really thrown off by how beautiful um, the writing was and how they took from the, the, the source material without watering it down. It was a very dense, intelligent comic uh, uh, comic book movie. The coolest part for me also was the pacing. It was a long ass movie, especially if you watch it more than once. That shit is long. But I gotta say, like, this is the slowest Batman movie I've ever seen. Right? Like, they took their time. Like that first intro where we get that noir opening about how he uses the shadows and he flips it on everything. Right? Like the one thing that arc that that. Uh, Gotham has plenty of are these dark corners and his whole idea is that he has to turn those into weapons for him and they give it 15 minutes of just beauty of him just trying to put fear into everyone that's the Batman that is what Batman does and making him Sherlock Holmes right we get the damsel in distress we get we get his relationship with Gordon we get the bad cop good cop with the penguin scene right like we get all the stuff from those old noirs in there I'm just really excited that this finally we finally get a comic book movie that doesn't have to water itself down and try to like make it for the masses. This is the Batman as it should be. I'm really excited that you're so excited about it. <laughs> I really am because I know like I don't read a whole lot of the Batman comics, so this makes me extremely happy. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I have my partner right. Whenever I get a little too many drinks in me, I start talking about all the Batman relationships, <laughs> right? And I start. Balling. By the time I get to Damien, I'm like bawling and she's like putting over me. She's like, mm-hmm. She she even called him Carm, like Carm, come get him. He's talking about Damien Wayne already. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, like I'm like, yo, like this is nuts. So of course I got the whole family to go see it with me once. I saw it by myself the other three times. They're like, that's cute, honey. I like that you like something. And then they left my ass there for myself. But yeah, I'm really excited about it. This is dope. We can go on forever. Well, we are going to go on for quite a bit longer, but we are going to go on for not longer than about 55 minutes. So I'm glad to hear we've got some material. Um, I guess, God, there's so many things you guys said that I want to respond to. And I think we're going to have quite the discussion today. Uh, but just to share my thoughts in broad strokes before we dive in is, uh, I mean, I, I love this movie. I was blown away by it. I've seen it twice. And uh, once with like my, my brother and parents and then once with my wife. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I saw it twice because I noticed things the second time clues that were baked in there, uh, that I missed the first time, uh, for a, such a long movie. It was so deliberately paced. Like I, I was, I was, I never felt like, Oh man, I would like this to end. It just kept bringing me along. And, you know, I watched an interview with Matt Reeves where he explained, this is like, this is my cut of the movie. There is, there's some scenes I cut that I, I don't want included that are good scenes, but don't, they're not part of this, but this is the cut. This is my cut. And I really admire that. And you really feel it. Cause I, at no point was I like, Oh, this is really unnecessary. 
basically everything makes this movie very well rounded. Um, I mean, I guess the one thing that would be unnecessary is maybe the, like the long Batmobile chase really could have been a, a much shorter, but again, it's such a long movie. The action at that point was really important to keep the pacing moving. And of course everybody wants to see the Batmobile. So I really, I really think it was an excellent, excellent movie. I'm a big fan of film noir. I love the, the femme fatale. I love the, the gumshoe detective. I love the having multiple players and trying to figure out how they fit together. And that's, to me, that's the way to do Gotham because otherwise you run into the problem of the original movies, which every movie was like, who's the villain? Who are the two villains? They're going to team up. That's the movie. That's what the movie's about. And, and Gotham has so many rich characters like Falcone or Maroney or the Penguin. And I'm much less interested in like a, the Penguin's the villain in this movie. I'm much more interested in like, how do all these players fit together? <laughs> and that's what this one did. And there's, it's ripe for more of that. Um, so just, just, I just fucking loved this movie. I thought it was fantastic. So, um, I guess to, to, um, drill into a few points to, to Jason's, uh, point, uh, apparently, uh, uh, Kurt Cobain was the influence for, uh, for Bruce Wayne in this, not, you know, even beyond that song, like, Apparently Matt Reeves had Kurt Cobain in mind when he wrote Bruce Wayne's character. So I thought it was, it, you were definitely on point with that. I'm so sad he wasn't here to see that either. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that's what, that's really sad. Uh, Kurt Cobain was extremely talented and, and I guess to the extent, you know, you would hope that that's not the legacy he leaves behind, but now that sort of that brilliance is, you know, tied forever to that like darkness. And I think you see that in Bruce here. And, you know, you mentioned like, we don't want to see like billionaire playboy, Bruce Wayne, or at least not until Bruce Batman figures out that Bruce is like a tool. Um, I like reclusive weirdo Bruce Wayne. I, I like that in Michael Keaton. He's not like depressed to the degree that this Batman is, but he is like, you know, we talked about it last week. Everyone's like, Oh, are you Bruce Wayne? How do you know that's Bruce Wayne? Like, is that him? Like, how does how does people not know what this billionaire looks like? And it's because he's a recluse. And I like that version of Bruce. This guy should be weird to be Batman. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's um, just uh, just the character, just the way this Batman really presents himself, and the way he's framed up is just like like any teenager out of the nineties. It's just I just I mean that 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 whole genre is my jam. So it's just like. As as a you know personal you know personal feelings this this is this was just like the most you know relatable Batman to me. Yeah, you run into that problem where he's like too smart and he's too prepared and he's too clever all the time, and then Batman might as well be as superhuman as Batman for you know for all the prep time they give him. But this Batman, like I felt, was like a this is what the real person behind that mask would have to look like, and they do it physically too, right? Because it's not just you know theoretical they do it physically he's got the black makeup running down his eyes when he takes the mask off and he's got the sweaty hair in his face and it's not to look emo it's just what happens when you wear like a rubber mask on your face with makeup but they don't try to clean that up they show you what that looks like afterward and it's it's everything you just described and it's not just batman this is all the characters in the movie everybody is everybody is a very broken down version of our already um like visualized perception of these characters. We don't have the bright neon green Riddler, but rather we have like this, this uh, psychotic 
you know, psychotic Riddler in, in a leather mask. Yeah, so. speaking of that, Omi, you notice at the end, I, I, I saw this part, I thought of you, and he says, you and I both know I'm looking at the real you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they did a great job with that stuff. Like, to, to go back to the point, too, is like, they did Arkham, they did Gates of Gotham, right? Like, so you'd know that the four families that made Gotham City was the Cobble, the Cobble Pots, uh, the Arkhams, the um, the Waynes, and the Elliots, and all of them had a role in this. So even Martha having mental health issues, and then her son decides to dress up as a bat. Yeah, it's complete consent, right? Like yeah. instead of giving millions and millions to community centers all around, he's like, nah, let's 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 put on a suit and go fuck some people up. Like that's his yeah. that twist to this stuff. And then I I also appreciate they didn't say his name. Um, but they definitely put a point to it where Batman or, or Bruce realizes that the suit is not the only tool he has. Because there's a lot of times where he's on the bike with just a hoodie on and a hat, right? Yeah, right so that's, you know, that's, like, that's like Malone. Really, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's Malone's character when Batman has to go undercover as someone else. He's there and like they did everything. And the the even the small nods, Carm. Did you catch the um, the uh, William Shakespeare bus? I did. I I caught that on the second viewing, and I I again thought of you immediately because that bust is beautiful and uh, and very distinct. Ah, there it is. Where'd you Where'd you get that? It is very beautiful. Isn't oh it? my god, that's amazing. <laughs> for For those listening, Omi has the Shakespeare bust that he just brought out on camera um, and just decapitated. <laughs> Decapitated, right? I mean, it, it it did the little things like that great. And uh, the commentary at the end where uh, the Riddler points out that he knows that's Bruce but doesn't can't call it is just brilliant. It's it's well, it's hold on now. That you've got that's something you said earlier, and I like this because I like a movie that doesn't answer the questions for you, I like a movie that lets you debate. So let's let's play with this. Your reading of this is that he does know Bruce Wayne is Batman. Well, in Hush, they they make a um, in Jim Lee's run with Jeff Loeb, right. uh, uh, the Riddler, and like so, it's a big uh, Rogues Gallery, right? Every series, every uh, issue for a year has a new character, only to find out that Riddler was pulling the strings the entire time because he found the riddle or he solved the riddle of who is the Batman, and that is Bruce Wayne. So he does this thing in Hush where he goes, Bruce, and he plays ah. uh, and the whole idea. And, you know, Batman says, what's the point of uh, of sharing the answer to a riddle if it destroys the riddle? And Riddler is just pissed. He's like, you're right. Like, fuck. So they did an entire like connection to that where he's like, you know, I see I, I told you I see you in hell. Who do you send that to? Bruce Wayne. Right. Like, oh, or- that's good. That's good. You know, so, like, so, he does that. so you got me with that last bit there. That is interesting. And you're of course right that in hush, he knows who Bruce Wayne is. When I saw the movie and, and both times I took that to be that he didn't know they were faking us out leading up to that moment. And Batman thought the jig was up until Riddler says he's the only one we didn't get was Bruce Wayne. Huh? And I see where you're going with this and it could still just be like a, with a wink kind of thing. But I, I took that to be like, Batman thought he was fucked until he heard that. And then Batman was like, Oh, he doesn't know who I am. Um, so, so I, I could see it either way. 
I know where we land. Jason, Emily, what do you think? Does the Riddler know at the end? I'm going to go with the Riddler knows. My take was that he did know, but now that you bring that up, it's making me question it, and maybe I have to go see it a third time. <laughs> it's, for, it's for the best. It's safest to see it again. Uh, that's very interesting, Omi, because I, I remember that scene from Hush very well, and um, and I just I just read the scene differently. I read it as like a big fake out. Um, but to your point, I have a theory and I'd love to know what you guys think. My theory is that in this universe, uh, the Riddler is hush and the hush is Riddler. And, and here's, here's why I think that, uh, in the comics, those characters are always really intertwined. Like the first hush story was who is hush. And in the end, it didn't matter because the Riddler was behind it all. And the hush is like sometimes Tommy Elliot, but also not Tommy Elliot maybe. And in this movie, the Riddler his real name isn't really given. It, it's said that he has all these aliases and they mention one of them has a hit, but that could be as fake as any of the other names. Right. Mm-hmm. So we don't know his name. And what we do know is that when he reveals that Thomas Wayne conspired with Carmine Falcone to kill uh, a reporter, that reporters, Edward Elliott. And obviously right after that, we see hush on the screen. Like uh, that's obviously a hush reference. But he said he calls the reporter like this noble hero or something like that. And I'm like, this is the motive. And I like that the movie doesn't spell it out because otherwise we wouldn't be able to debate it. But I read that as Edward Elliott, the reporter's son, Tommy Elliott, became the Riddler. And so Tommy Elliott, Edward Nashton, Edward Nigma, they're all aliases. It's the same dude. And so, uh, and, and then visually, this Riddler looked like Hush. He had like the saran wrap wrapped around him, the way Hush has like bandages. So my reading is this Riddler is Tommy Elliot. That's how I took away from the movie. Anyone, any thoughts? Am I crazy? Am I off base? What do you guys got for me? No, I, I think it's I think it's ambiguous enough to be open to interpretation, so that people talk about it like as we are today. You know. Well, what do you think? Am I right? Am I crazy? Do I belong in a cell next to? Next to the yes. Riddler. Yeah. <laughs> but is it for this reason that I belong in a cell? Ah. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons that I know of because we talk every day. So uh, Yeah, if you ever decide to spill the beans on that, you're going to end up with a new pair of cement shoes is what's going to happen to you if you're not careful. Well, you, you, you know, know too much, man. You know, the, the, all right, so here's the deal. I really like that idea. I, I genuinely do because, you know, if you read the comics as well, Elliot is an orphan. But he's an orphan from a different reason, right? Yeah, like he killed right, right. parents, uh, you know, and went into the medical field to like, you know, a big fuck you to them. But it's a waste of a character for me because I do love Tommy Elliot so much. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Let him, let him be Riddler, even though I know he's totally influenced by that. Right. But you know, can you imagine? Can you imagine part two, part three, dealing with Tommy Elliot? Like the world's yeah. never seen. That's a deep cut. You know, like that would be so dope. That's a really good point. Hush would be really cool to see as Hush on screen. Um, You know, but part of what makes Hush fun is that he's like the only villain in Batman's rogues where you could play with like who his real identity is. The Joker's real identity doesn't matter. Right. And we've, we've fucked with his origin in the past and there's a lot of questions there, but really it doesn't matter. He's the fucking Joker and you're not going to gain any insight into him by knowing his origin. Uh, you know, everybody else, oh, Victor Freeze, Oswald Cobblepot. Like, we know who they are. But they could make a movie about Hush 
where I don't know who it is. And they could fake me out about Tommy Elliott. Anyways, that's not, that's my takeaway. Did anybody else pick up on the seven vibe of this movie? Strong, strong seven, strong saw vibes. Holy shit. That like the lighting in that first um, murder scene with, I guess the current mayor, like the orange lighting. I don't know who has lights in their house like that because I would not be able to see anything, (laughs) but then like the writing on the walls and then the later on in the scenes where it's like the sins of our father, all I could think is the seven deadly sins. And then Mm. even the scene where Batman is like pounding on the glass at the asylum, like, what did you do? What did you do? All I can hear is Brad. What's in the box? What's in the box? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think you're right. This was a very, uh, this was like a very like David Fincher-esque movie, which I believe he did. uh, He did seven amongst a few other movies. And I'm like, I'm super glad. Yeah, he did seven. Uh, I mean, Maybe Matt Reeves was uh, influenced by David Fincher in some way, you know? Uh, they definitely, they, it seems like they use the same colorist. Like, the whole movie's colored blue, like every single David Fincher movie I've ever seen. There's color you know, in this movie? Seven, Gone Girl, um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, uh, Social Network, all of that has the blue hue, you know? I didn't see any color in this movie. What color? <laughs> I know what you mean, though. I'm just busting your balls. Uh, no, I, and I'm glad it had a seven vibe because I was actually scared of the Riddler. Like, I didn't know what he was going to do. Like, he really seemed yeah. like he could do anything. And and there was even a point where I thought he killed Alfred, right? They really had me there. And uh, again, I'll remind you, I told you all at the beginning, it's a spoiler cast. So if you just went, what the fuck? Then it's your own fucking fault. But um Wait, yeah. What was this movie rated, by the way? Oh, that's another good point. This movie could have easily have been an R-rated movie. It is PG-13. So this was a PG-13 movie? It is PG-13. I think there is an F-bomb in it, but other than that, they didn't break the rules. Um, and I didn't see any I didn't see any kids in the theater when I saw it. That's why I didn't. I just assumed maybe this was R. And they could have, like, I'm, I mean, I'm glad they didn't. I don't think it needed to be any gorier. They could have shown, like, the commissioner who had his face bitten off by the rat and stuff like that. Like, they could have given us the gore. And... You know, that might be interesting, Um, but I don't think Batman needs to be. And I think Batman should remain accessible to kids, even if it is this dark. Um, Some of some of the some of the death scenes were pretty violent with the um, Mm. with the carpenter's tool, the beating with the carpenter's tool. That was was, graphic. That was pretty graphic. Um, To your point about seven, both movies, this and seven were influenced a lot by the Zodiac killer. In fact, uh, not only the appearance of the Riddler, but. like some of the cards and notes he leaves were literally the Zodiac killer's notes. Like that first one with the skeleton. That's like your, your secret friend or something like that. Literally the Zodiac killer sent a card with a skeleton that said that to the police. They, they added the owl, which I'm going to let Omi talk about in a second. Cause I know he's itching to share it with us. Um, but like that card was from the Zodiac killer and the ciphers are from the Zodiac killer. And, and one of the ways they decoded those ciphers is exactly the method Alfred tries in the movie, which is looking for duplicate symbols and then comparing that to common words in order to figure out what letter it is. And Alfred tries that at one point uh, in the movie. So Omi, what do you got for me on those cards? There's a fun Easter egg there, right? So the cool part is that like um, every one of those cards already shows you that Gotham is developed, that Batman, though he's in year two, the villains are existing, right? Like, so the cards are referencing the rogues gallery the entire time. We have the, the Court of Owls, which for a second, I totally thought this is a Court of Owls movie. Like, I, I was like, oh my God, they're doing the yeah. court. Like, it's going to be nuts. Yeah. Um, they, they, they held off. They, 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 they stopped on that part. 
but the references are there. There was a Poison Ivy card. There was a Ventriloquist card. There was a, a Mr. Freeze card. So we know these characters already exist, and we saw the caricatures of them on these cards. Yeah. So Matt Reeves has a lot of toys to play with. Yeah. And you know, and he gave us the the impression of the Joker at the end um, that you know allows us to really use our imaginations. It's already developed. It's there. Bruce is fucked. Like every person that is crazy is already in Gotham developing while he doesn't have the skill set to handle them yet. It's it's it you could go on for what two three more trilogies with this concept. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I and I didn't notice it the first time, but I you had texted that to me and the second time I watched it I looked out for those cards and I I noticed Hugo Strange, he's another one I'd love to see. Um talk to me about the costume. Emily, you mentioned you like the suit and then uh Omi, you called it the Rocksteady suit. Where do we land on this? Do we like this? Do we don't like the suit? What's the deal? I like the suit because it seems like it's like pieces put together instead of just that one suit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about the bulletproof stuff, the armor. I don't I don't know anything about that, but it just looked badass. Like the fact it's like boots, it's like real boots. And then just seeing like the strap around his legs with what looks like it should be like a gun holster, but it's for something else. Um, mm. It just seemed more realistic to me and it made him look, I mean, they always make them look bigger, um, but I I found it more relatable and more in tune with reality than yeah. some of the others in the past. You mentioned the boots and I really, one thing I really liked about this and I thought maybe I was crazy, but the second time I confirmed it, there are two specific shots in the movie from like ankle height, one of which is upside down, um, showing Batman walking towards somebody. And he, and there's like a clink there and it, you know, it could sound like metal on metal, but it sounded to me like spurs. It sounded to me like the old West, you know, that's right. Batman's getting wild. He's got Catwoman's whip and he's, uh, and he's got spurs that we can't see on his boots, but I, I love Western. So when I heard Batman, like, you know, dramatically walking on the scene. I was like, fuck yeah, he's a cowboy. All right. <laughs> but Omi, do you like the suit? What'd you think? Uh, you know, the the cow had to grow on me, right? Like the cow looked a little off. It gave him a bigger beaner head, um, if you kind of noticed. But they made up with it with the collar from the, from the uh, cape really, really well. Like I thought that was a great way to keep the silhouette of the mm. thick neck without the confinement of having to keep your head neck still the entire time, right? Right. So that was a brilliant thing. But um, you could clearly see that the video game uh, influenced this suit, right? Like, mm. that, that is definitely the uh, Batman Rocksteady suit from uh, many a times that came mm. It looks really great. It's I like the I, plates, right? The plating, yeah. It's more metal. It's more tactic, you know, like tactical. Like, it really worked out well. Um, the Batarang being in the middle, wasn't expecting that. I really thought that was the gun of his parents. Uh, no, I think it was both. I mean, it was clearly a gun. Like you could see the barrel, right? But then like right. the fact that it comes out and it's like a cutting tool, that was pretty baller. That was so dope. God damn it. Now I need to go see it three times. What? I missed that. That's the podcast doing its job. That's damn us it. making you think. So like immediately, you know, there's a Kevin Smith story that came out uh, for the, for the thousandth Batman that was 
Batman went to find the gun that killed his parents. And instead of being afraid of the gun, he melted it down and put it in as a shield, as his emblem underneath, mm. so that his parents' gun will always protect them. Like the gun that killed his parents will always protect them. In this one, clearly, that is some machinery that looked like it was it was weaponized it, it, somehow. So splitting the gun up, now it has that the, the silhouette of a bat very abstractly. Um, and the entire movie, we're like, oh, that's just part of the suit. Like, when they're going to say it. And then he clicks that motherfucker out, and you're like, oh, it is over. This is so dope. Yeah. So I loved it. I, I, I really did. I really did think it was the best of both worlds. Whoever, I know Matt Reeves wrote this joint, but like, he did his homework. Like, he must have got the blessing from every Batman writer in the last 15 years. Like, it was so They dope. thanked every Batman writer from the last 15 years. And <laughs> if you stayed through the credits, there is a long I, thank you section. I got to thank you in there. I don't even know why. <laughs> they, they, thank you for seeing this movie. Right, yeah. They're like Special thanks to Carmelo Chimera and the Cult Classic Comic Show, the most listened to podcast in human history. <laughs> for sticking through this credit. Six billion, six billion listeners daily. Yeah, I mean, it's quite oh, literally yeah. almost every human being on the planet. It's, it's astounding, yeah. <laughs> well, to go on with his costume, like that scene at the end where he gives, I guess, himself the shot of adrenaline or whatever it is, all I could sit there and think, and I, I do CrossFit, so <laughs> all I could think was, that's like him taking Matt Fraser's pre-workout. Like I would love <laughs> Matt Fraser as like Wolverine. Like that's all I could think. Oh, so. <laughs> I got this. I got this fucking pre-workout I take that makes my goddamn hair tingle. Like, yeah, if, uh, that's Ears. yeah, that's how I get myself to work out. Because if I take that shit and I don't work out, I feel like I can vibrate through walls. Uh, <laughs> but I, I don't know. What do you think, Omi? Was that pre-workout or is that something else? It, again, it looks like the the world of Gotham is filled because that looked like Venom to me. Yeah, uh, like I thought, I liked it because it could be adrenaline, fine, but it's green yeah. and it's not a fucking accident. It was could it green or was it blue? It was it was, yeah, green. was green. Well, like everything in the movie, it was blue, but it was green blue, and it was, and that's the shit that like Bane pumps into his, you know, that's what he mainlines into his testicles and turns into Bane. There's a Batman art called Batman Venom where he gets addicted to Venom before the whole main situation. Ah. And, you know, this the very early on, uh, like Bruce is just using it in trouble. But what if he gets hooked to it? That'd be a great that'd be a great second movie. You could do like Bane and Hugo Strange or something where like Strange is experimenting on people with this shit and Batman's addicted to it and fucking Bane's like juiced up. It could be a really good. That could be a great plot. I think something there. We're just talking about cocaine. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> that's just what we're then this 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 I don't, breaking news. The sequel's called The Batman Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> it's always oh, snowing it's... in Gotham. <laughs> yeah. Can you we... think that's rain? No, that's snow. Yeah, it's been snow all along. That's the twist ending. <laughs> can we talk about the elephant in the room or the cat in the room? Uh, can we switch this over to Catwoman sometime soon? Yes, let's do that. I think it's time that we talk about Catwoman. Who who has something appropriate to say about Catwoman? <laughs> I'll start. Yeah, because Omi's going so last. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, we should have our Catwoman talk about Catwoman. Yes. Yes, Emily yeah. is our resident Catwoman. Yeah. So I think um, it's Zoe Kravitz, right, that played her? Right. 
Yeah. Um, I think she did fine. I think with the scripts, I think she did fine. Her acting's fine. Um, I was more, there were certain scenes where I felt she was being immature or maybe she was being flirtatious with chomping on the gum like a freaking teenager would do. Um, I don't like fake nails and especially long fake nails. I just don't like it. So that was not, I didn't like that. Um, her suit was not memorable for me. It was like any basic comic book movie. Like you're going to remember Michelle Pfeiffer's costume. Everybody remembers that. Yeah. But this one, it was just the black bodysuit and then a ski cap over her face. I'm like, could we have done something to not make it look so, I don't know, cheap on the top versus. No, what the so so let me, let me interject. Let me interject real quick. The, the ongoing theme of this whole movie is everything is just completely broken down from Batman's suit to the Batmobile to the motorcycle to Riddler's costume to the type of penguin that we got to just everyone's outfits. Everything is as broken down as possible. Mm-hmm. So I get that Catwoman's costume isn't too memorable because it's like anything we anything we can find in our closet. But I, I think that was the, I think that was the purpose of it. And I could see a lot of people being upset by that because it's like, it's not very marketable, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not very marketable. Like it's not going to make a great action figure or a Halloween costume, but it's something everybody has. Like we could probably make a Batman suit today. And then I did. Mine would not be bulletproof, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) They lean heavily on that bullet. His suit was fucking invincible in this movie. Mine would be heavily woman proof. (laughs) <laughs> how what is, is that like a smell thing is that a <laughs> no people women would look at me and they'd be like no <laughs> they should call it the virginity suit that's how you hold on to your virginity for a very long time <laughs> i i agree with emily the suit was catwoman suit was was on the forgettable side i like how they did this key cap that sort of gave her like the ears is like the ears, the knitting yeah. meets. so that was like that was a nice touch and you sort of feel like this is an origin story for her too like she could come back with the full catwoman mask and be like oh yeah i was inspired by your mask batman like and that be a thing um but in general i guess the my takeaway from her was this was by f- my wife said this and she was dead on is the chemistry between this batman and this catwoman was palatable i mean they wanted I didn't feel it. you didn't feel it i thought they were gonna like tear each other's costumes off i mean it let's be clear it's not michael keaton and michelle pfeiffer that movie is just smoldering that is the the greatest love story of all time but like if they're you probably they're probably sleeping with each other in real life they're probably method actors well, you know, you got to get into, you got to make sacrifices to make a great movie is all I'm saying. You got to get into the role. You got to get into something. Oh, what do you think? Catwoman, yay or nay I, on this one? I, I love it. I think um, DC has done a great job in the last 10 years of making Catwoman Batman's uh, equal. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. gone out of the way to make sure that we know that there is a, a Bruce equivalent in Selena. And this movie was the first time I saw that she wasn't a side role. She wasn't, she had her own agenda. She... Mm-hmm handle herself um she almost fucked him up in the beginning of the movie right like um that everything was going on uh they took some liberties for sure about her relationship with falcone 
but, but did they? Because that's straight out of Long Halloween, right? That's, that's like... Long Halloween. And so is her costume, by the way, right? Like, mm. they, they give us the rounded ears over the pointed uh, slants. Um, and kudos for DC for fucking giving us representation finally, right? Like, yeah. going, out the, going out of their way and getting Zoe to be fucking Catwoman and, uh, and um, Gordon to be, um, I mean. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright to be. He uh, was outstanding. He is, especially especially coming off the heels of the of uh, No Time to Die. Yeah, yeah. and he's back, great in that back fucking to, back movie to too. Back to back, awesome roles, man. Back to back, like powerhouse performances by Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, he's 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 outrageously good. And I, to Yomi's point, like this Gotham felt like a city. I mean, you, you're sort of stuck with Batman as like the white boy, and we've talked on the first episode how like that's kind of important to to Batman's dynamic, politically speaking. But like this city, any cross section of the scene felt as diverse as a city would be. It, it was to me and I, and I didn't blink like you, they're not you don't see this movie and you're like, oh, that looks out of place. looks unusual. Like this was Jim Gordon in Jim Gordon city. And it felt more real than ever. It ever has. You know, this this Gotham felt like a character and and just to segue away from just the population, but even just the way that they combine like Chicago and New York and, and London and some other cities, like this city felt like a real place to me, like a real place I could go that would be dangerous, but that would be cavernous and you could get lost in like that. This felt like Gotham. I think we were watching. I, I mean, I felt like I was watching something brand new with that slow walk. Gordon was doing revealing that he was letting Batman into a crime scene. Mm-hmm. Like that knew we were watching some a new version of Batman. It's like, oh shit, you got my attention. This is nuts. Yeah. But Gordon was just as much of a character in solving this puzzle as Batman was. Yeah. Like, there I- the entire time as his partner, you know, I was like, no guns. That's your shit. That's <laughs> <not my> <laughs> that was great. You know? uh, and yeah, I the love- the scene where he and Batman double team the the penguin. That's straight up crime noir 101 where the you know good cop wor- bad cop worst cop you know throwing accusations at you until you confess. I was just like masterful. Uh my favorite scene in the movie real quick, Alfred in the hospital fucking A+ plus all across the board. Andy Circus is like in a stratosphere of his own. He's a gift to nerds everywhere. He is just yeah. like one of those like three or four people who makes all of our dreams come true. I was yeah. reading a lot of articles about him. People were pissed that he wasn't old enough for this role. No, it, it, if we're thinking how Batman's younger and his yeah, it makes sense. It's fine. To me, yeah. it didn't, I didn't have any problem with him. And I'm sorry, wasn't our last Alfred Jeremy Irons who was a total smoke show? Or is it just me? I think Jeremy Irons is hot as hell. Like. It, <laughs> This like he's older, but I and I get it. In the comics, he's long been portrayed as super elderly. Alfred, or excuse me, M- uh, Michael Goff, the the Alfred of mm-hmm. the Tim Burton era. He's probably the one who looks the most like Alfred. But you know, then they've made Alfred a medic and a mechanic and a computer technician and a you know puzzle solver and like. At a certain point, he needs a, a little bit of physicality, you know? So and was that scar on his face, like, is that, like, real? Or was that for the movie? Because he was talking about being a bodyguard and a, trying to be a step-in father at the same time. Like, was he helping Bruce 
again, I don't read, I don't haven't read all the comic books on this, but like, I felt like he probably had some combat in the past. So that big scar over his eye. I don't know if Andy Serkis has that scar, but I think you're, you're dead on that. Alfred has like a combat history and depending on the storyline, he's, been a member of Scotland Yard or he was in like the war and like her majesty's, you know, secret service or whatever. Like the dude is trained. I I even like how they drop that quick reference to like, I taught you how to fight. And it's like, you know, yeah, Batman probably had to travel the world learning from all kinds of people, but his first teacher and his last teacher is always going to be Alfred. Okay. Never lie. I have not seen, I don't care how bad the movie has been. We could talk about forever as well, but I have not seen a bad version of Alfred in any of them. I think yeah. Alfred, one of those all dogs go to heaven individuals where he will be going to heaven immediately um, as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, like this one only shows it better. I've seen Gotham, the TV show where I love that Alfred. Oh yeah. Sean, Sean Pertway, right? He's great too. He was badass too. And he also taught Bruce how to fight, you know? So, uh, and he holds the guilt of seeing a young man think that he was guilty for killing his parents because he didn't do anything. You know, and that's where that's where God, that's where Alfred exists. You know, he's always in that point that I will serve you because I know that burden you're carrying. And he says the right line at the right time all the time. He is the white version of Uncle Phil, if I ever had one from Prince of Bel Air, I swear to God. So um yeah, that that dude fucking killed it on the bed scene, right? Like all he needed was a fucking bed in a hospital with a, a with an IV to destroy the movie. That's all he wanted. That's all he needs to win an Oscar. Give him a give him a bed and an IV. <laughs> I also like that he wasn't like all about trying to hook Bruce Wayne up with another female. Like yeah. single, he was like, oh she's she's pretty. But that was it. It wasn't like you need to move on, Mr. Wayne. <laughs> like, <laughs> Alfred the the pimp, the super pimp. Um <laughs> Uh, I think, uh, this, you know, this funny thing is you mentioned, we never had a bad Alfred and I actually have not seen the Alfred television show that they made, but, uh, I think he's sort of the emotional glue that holds it together for me because otherwise you, you do end up with like a relentlessly morose Batman and you definitely need something to humanize him, which is, which is why Robin is so important and, and movies have struggled with how to do Robin. We'll talk more about that. I'm sure when we get to the actual live action portrayal of him, um, is there room for Robin in a world this dark? Like, is there any, cause, cause Reeves and Pattinson have both said they're interested in Robin specifically the death in the family storyline. Uh, is there room for a Robin here? I think there's always a, a room for a Robin. I think people make a mistake by leaving him out of the mythos. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I once heard Grant Morrison talk elegantly about Robin, uh, Dick specifically about, you know, how uh, Dick Grayson is just Batman's best friend. And he's he has the childhood and the like the outlook on life that Bruce wishes he had. And, you know, Dick Grayson wishes that he was as strong and as powerful as Bruce's. And that's where their bond comes from. And movies make a mistake by running away from that and not embracing it. So we need to see a rock and especially in a world this gritty. We definitely need to see the human side of Bruce caring for somebody that is in their love interest. Yeah, you know, as long as as long as they stick to their their theme of everything being broken down, 
then yeah, give us a Robin that's equally broken down as Catwoman, Alfred, Batman, and everything else in the movie, all the villains. Yeah. Then yeah, of course it's gonna work. I think it'll be a great dynamic. Emily. I think so. I agree with Jason's statement about being having them broke down. Um, now that he had mentioned the whole costume uh, for Catwoman, I agree. Um, I did want to go back to Catwoman briefly. Um, I do agree. Um, I did like how they were talking about um, don't be like them. Don't cross that line. Like they continued with that. And that was in Batman Returns to some extent. But I liked how they tried to portray that at the end because she did have her own agenda and what she considered justice versus what Batman did. Um, And I felt like that was a good character arc for her. Yeah, I'm glad that was in there. And and to to put a bow on it because I, I know we're running short on time now um, that element of like Batman doesn't kill Batman doesn't use guns uh, Catwoman has her own sort of arc there and then to, to Omi's point about Batman needing to have that human connection to me this movie would have been great but it became like legendary in the last minute or two when Batman realized that if he's not careful he will inspire violence and chaos and fear and that People need hope. And the whole movie, he's super cold and super distant. But just that little bit where he's putting that woman into a gurney and she, she reaches for his shoulder and then he puts his hand on hers. It's, it's not out of character because it's as subtle as anything else in the movie, but it's the first time he shows anybody real compassion besides Alfred. And I was like, yes, they get it now. Batman can't just be a savage fucking like monster who rips people to shreds. He has to have that bit or he's not a hero. And that's, to me, that's what that tied it all together. I know Jason's got a bounce and we're coming up on our hour and we probably could go another hour on this one, but uh, we'll bring a lot of this up again in our, the live season finale. We've been <laughs> debating doing like a live version of this where we'll, we'll take your questions and participation. So um, obviously we'll limit it to the first billion listeners though, because we just can't host that many. <laughs> and the, and the easily, and the easily offended are not allowed. The easily offended need not apply. Uh, do we want to do the last bit? What did we watch this week? What, what did you watch? Anybody watch anything interesting besides this? I, I, I watched the new scream movie like yesterday. what did you think? surprisingly good actually yeah i liked it i liked it yeah too. you know it's it, it it checked off all the it checked off all the boxes as like your nice little fun slasher film oh. like you know we don't need to make it complicated it is what it is it's good for what it is <laughs> right right like oh Omi, you've been in the theater more or less non-stop since this movie came out to see this did you have time to watch anything else only been this movie but no i am i, I don't know uh apple tv is fucking killing it lately and I just saw After Party, um, which was a great little comedy uh, about a murder told by different stories, uh, by different perspectives, but also by different ways to tell the story. So one is an anime, uh, the other one is an animation. The other, like, so it really does, it goes out of its way to be different. And kudos to them for being funny and, and really enjoying that. Nice, nice. Emily, you watching anything good now that you're settled in in, in Tulsa? Yes. Um, we watched that Henry Cavill movie, Night hunter um it's kind of another one of those um police detective murder mysteries it was pretty good and then to go with our anthology to wrap up february <laughs> feb sorry i've had too much wine february um tales from the hood 
That's a good one. <laughs> oh, that's it. I have not nice. seen that one in a while. And yeah, yeah. I really, I forgot about how much I like that one. That's a fun movie, man. Spectacular. It is. Spectacular. Uh, I have, uh, I don't think I've seen really anything else. I, I've been working my way through Shit's Creek and Game of Thrones still. Um, so nothing, nothing to report really here, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, thank you all for listening. We're going to be back next week with, uh, Batman returns. We're going to return to the, the release order of these movies. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, so Wait, I we'll thought we were doing Batman forever. We're doing, we're recording an episode on Batman forever. We're releasing the oh. episode Batman returns. I'm cause total, we, I'm, I'm totally undoing the magic of podcasts. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we do, we do these in advance. Uh, not a lot. We, we're, we are only only one ahead just in case there were some emergency. Um, but, uh, we will. In fact, we used it last week when our fucking recording didn't work. So we've, we, we had two in the bank. Now we only have one in the bank. So you'll be listening to Batman returns. We'll be recording Batman forever and Batman and Robin. We're going to do in one episode. Uh, yeah. sorry, sorry for breaking the, sorry for breaking the fourth wall. Broke yeah. the, the magic. All right, everyone. Thanks very much for tuning in. We will see you next week. Bye. 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 I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Cult Classic Comic Show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. That's what helps us reach new listeners and keep the show going. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Chimeras Comics or join our Facebook group at Chimeras Comics Community. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.